This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Not requiring different business courses throughout college is definitely a big negative and something that I would highly recommend followers of yours if they are younger do take a class because I think it's really helpful. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here today with my my guest, Kate. Honestly, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi. It's so great to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to just dive right into everything today. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on here. Why don't you, just in case our listeners aren't familiar, give us a quick background on who you are and what you do, and then we'll dive into it. Absolutely. So I'm the founder of Lifestyle Blog, Honestly Kate, and I'm also an on-air style expert. Um, I'm on Amazon Live, Good Morning America as of recently. And I am trying at the moment to pivot my lifestyle brand so that other people can write for the actual blog and I can do more full-time hosting. Wonderful. Well, this is really exciting. So we wanted to bring you on because I think that we have a lot of listeners that are in the 1099 space. So contractors, consultants are running their own businesses. And so I felt like this would be a great kind of peek behind the scenes of, you know, how does the finances work with all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, but just curious, did you start with a day job before you got into this? Like, how did you end up getting well, into this space? I graduated from college in 2015. And then I went to a grad program, which was an acting conservatory because I wanted to go mm-hmm. straight into theater production. I concentrated in costume design, but I also studied lighting design and sound design. And I was a two-year program. So I graduated in May. I started the program in June and I was in the program for two full years. And at the time I had created, I started to create my blog, um, which was just a blog at the time, just a website, not an Instagram. And then I sort of, you know, started growing the blog into what it is today with the different social media channels. So during my time in grad school, I 
in this conservatory program, I did have other day jobs. I was an extra for a lot of different TV shows. I also worked as a temp at different finance firms. And so I did that while I was in school because, you know, I didn't have class all day long. I had classes, you know, the same way you would in undergrad, like different times throughout the day. So I tried to do as much work as I could on my off time. But by the time I had graduated the program, two years later, my company, Honestly Kate, which I then developed as an S corporation, was already making money that I could sustain it as my full-time job. Oh, that's amazing. So you didn't even have to go through the whole process of doing it a day job and then working this at night and then getting it up and Mm -hmm. off the ground because you were able to do it during grad school. Yes. And what I also really always try to recommend, especially to my audience, is if you want to go out on your own, like make sure you're doing something else at the same time. So for me, it was I was in this two-year conservatory. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't fully focused on just building my brand. It wasn't my entire life. I wasn't I wasn't worried that I wasn't going to be be able to survive on not making any money and where I was going to try to make money in the interim. So I always say like, don't just leave your, your day job to start something, start it and see if it grows traction while you're doing something else. So whether that's working, whether that's school, um, whether you're in college and you're starting it, I think that's really important to have something else going for you because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket before you even know that you can monetize it. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's a lot more stress than if you're trying to build a business and then needing that monetization Mm -hmm. faster. Definitely. And I think that there's so, you know, especially the younger generation, there is this like mantra to be the star of your own life. And I just really disagree with it because I find that because of it, we've seen such an excess in people, you know, quitting their day jobs to start their own thing. And while I always encourage entrepreneurship and I always encourage people to go after their dreams and passions, I think just like quitting cold turkey and not be not having anything to stand on, any money to grow the business with is really scary. And I think that that's how so many different startups and entrepreneurs fail very fast. I think you really do need something else going on, especially in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, as a financial podcast, I 100% agree. I think Mm -hmm. that being an entrepreneur can be amazing, but a lot of entrepreneurs fail. And I think a big reason they fail is they run out of financing, right? They run out of money. Their runway isn't long enough. So 100% agree. So then how has it been? So you finished grad school, your blog was making enough money. How did you navigate the finances for that? Because it's complicated when you're running your own business. The people forget that you are now not only running a business, but you are in charge of payroll and submitting your taxes and both sides of the FICA taxes and and Mm -hmm. the corporation. There's all that other part of it besides the business. Yep. So I luckily, like I mentioned, like had two years to figure all that out while I was in a different program for theater production. So definitely having the two years to learn everything the hard way was the way to go about it. You know, my parents, to be completely transparent, were supporting me throughout my grad program because I had made the decision really early on with my family and my parents that if I was going to go to a liberal arts school, that then they would help me and support me to go to a conservatory for grad school because that's something I really wanted to do for undergrad, which they highly pushed against, which now in the run, I'm very happy about that I have a liberal arts education because obviously now I'm in a completely different field than theater. So it worked out for everyone. But so they were definitely helping me in that regard. So I, you know, it's very hard for any entrepreneur, especially when 
similar to me. I'm sure there's so many out there that don't have a business background and I'm definitely more of a creative and I had to learn things the hard way. And I always say this and I think it's really interesting and this is why I love your podcast is because I didn't know anything related to do with business. I was not required to take any business courses in my liberal arts college. And I was required to take science courses. I was required to take English courses. I was required to take a language and I was not required to take one business course, which I think is really detrimental to our, you know, our country. Same way I feel about home ec. I mean, I didn't know how to cook. And all of a sudden my mom, my grandmother who are incredible cooks, I can't cook because I was never taught it in high school. And I think HOMAC and not requiring different business courses throughout college is definitely a big negative and something that I would highly recommend followers of yours if they are younger do take a class because I think it's really helpful. So I had to strategize with, you know, people, friends of mine and family of mine who were in more financial financial jobs and how how and where to even start and how to go about it. Um, I hired an accountant really early on because I had no idea what I was filling out. And I didn't, of course, want to get in trouble, especially when you're beginning to beginning your own business. And then I realized very fast that there are no entrepreneurs without a team behind them because there's nothing that you can really do on your own. You can't grow your business to the scale you want it to be unless you have other people helping you. So I realized that investing the money that I had earned from different brand partnerships into an accountant and more of a financial backing for me was going to be really important. And then I also, about four years ago now, which time flies, signed with my agency, which helped negotiate and read through all of my contracts that I didn't know, you know, how to decipher what they meant. Yeah, it makes, you, you bring up a very valid point. The fact that money is something you're going to deal with every day, the rest of your life, mm-hmm. or, you know, unless you happen to live off the grid somewhere, but, and they don't teach it to you in school, but they require all these other classes that, mm-hmm. you know, aren't as relevant for being an adult. So you, you're really at a disadvantage, even if you're not going to run a business, but if then you're going to run a business, you, you need to know a bit more and make those decisions. So I'm glad you got an accountant. I always recommend accountants. <laughs> I didn't know. I like, I, I mean, it might sound silly to your listeners, but I didn't know when I started my business what a 401k was. I didn't know what a 1099 was. I had different brands reaching out to me asking for my 1099 and I didn't know what that was to give it to them. Yeah, no, because no one tells you. And when you Google it, it's like not that, it, first of all, you have to know what to Google. So they, t- they asked for 10, you could Google 1099, but if someone hadn't asked you that question, you wouldn't even know to Google 1099. And for her listeners who are listening, a 1099 is when you're a contract worker, the company issues you a 1099 and you could submit one to them with your social security and your relevant information. But any income over 600, you issue a 1099 to that contract worker. Therefore, they're not an employee. Employees are W-2. Um, so yeah, it's a whole fun world of all these. What did you find to be, was there one particular area that you found to be the most challenging when you're first getting everything set up? Definitely the taxes, because okay. as an entrepreneur, you know, my whole life at the time when I started was my job. So everything I was doing was related to my job. I was working out of my apartment. So that was technically my office. I, I work in a job where it's fashion and beauty related. So I was buying clothing and buying cameras to use for my blog and for my partnerships, I was getting makeup done to show up to different events and to speak on panels. So figuring out, and I guess 
recognizing that so much more of my life actually has to do with my company than I originally thought or thought that you were even allowed to use as a tax Mm write-off. So eye-opening to me. And I think that's something that people don't really think about when they're starting their own company that, okay, if I was getting a car service or an Uber or using a subway card even to get to different meetings, that's part of your taxes for your company. And there's so much that is involved. And um, that was actually, I think, a very positive note for me because I was thinking, okay, I have to really separate my personal life from my company. But so many entrepreneurs these days are building their own personal brands. And when it's your own personal brand, that was eye-opening that, wow, there's so much of my life that I can include in with my accountant for tax write-offs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the advantages of owning your own business is those write-offs mm-hmm. and not keeping it totally separate. But then it can be a little daunting because like what is allowed, what's not allowed, which is why it's great exactly. to have an accountant. Exactly. And also it's even, it got, for me at least, it got even more confusing when I, you know, moved in with my fiance and we started sharing different credit cards and started splitting the rent. And then we decided now we're engaged. So then it was like, now what do I do with my company and how do I manage it in a partnership? And that was like another aspect of building your own and, you know, owning your own brand that I think no one teaches you about. And it's very confusing and it's very daunting if you don't have help. Yeah, no, absolutely. That. The 1099, the taxes, all of that. And then the other big thing I think when, with the business is it's inconsistent income, generally yep. speaking. So how how is that part of it? Like how do you budget or do you have it now down to a certain, you have like an expectation for each month? Because inconsistent income is something a lot of, you know, various industries, if you're a contractor, consultant, you have that inconsistent income, it can be hard to budget for that. Absolutely. I think the inconsistent income is something that is one of the reasons that I believe you shouldn't leave your current (laughs) job until you can make enough money to, you know, put money aside so that you do have enough each month to spend on everything. So that has, that is definitely hard. It's still hard to this day, you know, because I still have different partnerships every single month. I have different speaking obligations different month. I have different hosting obligations each month. And it hasn't been until recently that my hosting jobs have gotten more consistent and I have really had to learn to save. So to every single month, once I get a paycheck from different partnerships and different brands to put that money aside so that in case I'm not paid the same amount the next two to three months, I will know that I still have money saved up and then I put it aside so that I'm not going to be worried about, you know, not being able to pay the rent, not being able to pay the um, 1099 contractors I use for my company. And that is very scary. And I think it's also scary when you are starting your own brand and, you know, someone like me, I don't have children. I don't have a lot of other responsibilities that I'm paying for, except for myself and my business and realizing that's just not spending money. That's money that needs to be put aside. Yeah. Earmarked, especially, well, with two reasons. One, because the other one, other I would imagine is you then have your taxes owed. So they send you a gross mm-hmm. amount and you now with, need to hold your own personal taxes and the FICA taxes, which is your payroll tax that you're responsible for both sides of. And then the fact that you want to hold some aside just in case there's inconsistent income. Exactly. And I think that, I think, you know, you hope that you become the type of entrepreneur brand builder that is wildly successful so that you don't have to even think about that in the future. But I think that there's a saying that every major brand or company 
is five years in the making. And I like to extend that. I think it's actually 10 years plus in the making. So every time you see some brand explode all of a sudden with their marketing, with their social media, they have taken so many years to build that to be able to even afford that marketing team or that PR team. So I think people need to recognize that and and not think that there's just all of these entrepreneurs or influencers that are just overnight success. Yeah. Anybody that I've spoken to that I've had on is like an expert. Nobody has, no one said to me, yeah, I just happened to be that overnight success, you know, success. I just put a couple of weeks into it and now here I am. Like I agree. And I think five years is fast too. I agree with you. Five years and you can do it in five. That's fast. And I think, yes, of course, I think people are going to say, well, what about TikTok stars? And what about, mm-hmm. yes, there is definitely a younger generation that is exploding really fast on social media. Do I think just because they're exploding on social media that they are going to become huge success stories? I'm not sure because we haven't seen it past five years yet. TikTok hasn't even been around. So I'm not sure it very well could happen. I get very nervous with anything in life that happens really fast because I feel like there's only one way to go and it's down. So it does make me wary. It's also one of the reasons I personally stayed off TikTok because there was just so much unknown in the beginning. But of course, I do see a lot of younger people in my field and colleagues that are really successful within like six months of being on the platform. So that scares me a little and I'm wary of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not to say there aren't exceptions to the rule, but I would think that the rule is generally it's five to 10 year process. And there are people who still hit the lottery, right? Like statistically, you probably won't hit the lottery, but there are people that hit the lottery. There can be those people. So interesting. So how, so you, it sounds like you do partnerships, hosting, what, what is really, where's the money more lucrative roles? Is it partnerships? Is it hosting? The more lucrative roles are definitely in brand partnerships, especially ones that you have long-term relationships with. Brands are paying a lot more money to have influencers that they know can convert product sales than they are in, you know, other types of older, more old school advertising. Mm -hmm. This has definitely been something that's been going around for a long time. And I think the money allocated towards influencers is just going to continuously go up because they are seeing how much is converted. Because what you would hope is that the audience that follows said influencer isn't, their audience members follow them because they love them and actually are listening to their product recommendations. And that is why a brand would obviously partner with that influencer because if they're listening so closely to every product recommendation and the influencer loves the product and wants to share it with their audience, it can only be a win-win for both parties. So that is definitely where the money is in the influencer space. I like to call it the blogosphere. Hosting for me is always like my passion has always been my love. Um, Obviously the people at the tippy top on Good Morning America on the Today Show are making a lot of money. If anyone's watched the morning show, like you see those people are living large, but it's like any TV. When you start at the bottom, you are making pennies. So that is not where the money is at all in any type of reporting journalism until you really hit it big. That makes sense. So with the the brand partnerships, I've seen some stuff like just on TikTok following around where I've seen people say like it's a really big contract, but I didn't wasn't sure if it compromised their values. So mm-hmm. have you ever had to turn something down because while it might be a good revenue stream, it doesn't really sit well with you? Definitely. So my entire platform is about authenticity. It's why I called it Honestly Kate. Um, I just felt like there was definitely a really big divide 
in the beginning between a lot of social media stars and what they were promoting because I'm, I just thought it seemed so far-fetched. So I was trying to be that person in the space that really was more of an intermediary between the brand and the audience and showing and showcasing actually how I'm using the product and why I'm mm-hmm. using the product and showing that I'm testing it out with timestamps months before I even decide to promote the actual product. So I've turned down plenty of jobs that are very high paying because it just has nothing to do with my brand or it's not something I would really ever use myself. And of course, it's easier said than done with beauty products because those are the ones that I'm actually testing out or any Mm -hmm. type of vitamins. It takes a while, you know, to test them out three to four months to actually get in your system. Whereas clothing, you know, it's much easier because it's either I like the clothing or I don't like the clothing. Like it's, it's never really a confusion. It's usually the decision is made within 24 hours. Whereas any type of beauty product, I'm testing the product out for months and months before we make any type of decision to go back to the brand. That makes sense, right? Yeah, because you won't know if you see like a change in your skin if you don't use it at all. And then so for things like that, right, where if you're testing out a beauty product, and you're going to test it for a few months, then is it hard to then takes a while to get then paid on that, right? Because you're going to be testing it, and then determine if you want to move forward with a contract. And then I've heard sometimes some of the big brands are hard to get paid, like they, they yeah. drag their feet, and you have to go after them to get paid what you're owed. Big brands, small brands, so many brands, hard to get paid. So this is why I highly recommend you have a team. So I have an agent. I have been signed with her for four years. She has an assistant she assigned to. She works for a much larger agency who has an incredible reputation and they are sharks. And prior to being signed with her, I was not getting paid. I would hunt down different companies. I had to follow up multiple, multiple times past the 60 day mark, which was like the latest possible, you know, time, the net 60 next, I would always put net 30. They would come back with net 60 on their contracts. I actually didn't get paid by three brands that I will never work with again, because I, of course I remember that, that I had to have my dad call and pretend he was on my team and hearing a male's voice. I was delivered the check like that afternoon. I hate, I hate that I've had to get my father involved in things because like I'm running, I'm running two very successful businesses and like, I'm an adult and you should listen to me. And I literally sometimes have to like put, I've done that exact thing where I put my dad on the phone and and then it seems to get done, which is shocking that it takes a man's voice that I have to do that. I can't believe you had to do that. I had to have my dad call one company and say, hi, this is Steven from Honestly Kate's accounting team. I hear we're having a little bit of an issue with receiving payment. It was delivered to my door that day. That's horrible. He didn't say anything rude. He wasn't scary. He just was very direct. The same way I had been being via email and on the phone months, months later. Isn't that wild? It's upsetting, but it's also not shocking to me. I So I agree with you. I'm not shocked having to had to pull my dad mm-hmm. in to get the point across, even though we said the same exact thing, just one from an older man's voice and one from my voice. So I'm not shocked that you've had to do it. I, I guess I thought it was like more me, but like hearing that someone else had to do it, it's obviously not shocking, right? Because they're not like targeting me specifically. Mm-hmm. But it's upsetting to think in this day and age that they wouldn't just respect you as a business owner and pay you yeah. when you called when they were delayed. Exactly. And I think, you know, as any entrepreneur, like you, you wear many hats, right? So mm-hmm. I was my accounting team in the beginning. I was my production team. I was my 
script writer, my editor. I, there's so much you're doing that you're kind of, like I would make up other emails to pretend that yes. it wasn't an email to get different things paid or to make sure everything was coming on time. I would be like, hi, this is Katie's assistant. Um, <laughs> like, can I, can I please, can, I just want to make sure the clothes are going to arrive today so we can shoot by it tomorrow because we have the photographer coming tomorrow, which in a lot of cases was also me. Like I would set up a camera. Like it, there's so much that goes into it that I think people don't realize and that you kind of have to fake it till you make it in a lot of ways, which isn't, I think, which isn't a bad thing. But until I hired a full-time agent and that that worked for a big agency, things were really on the rocks. Because well, you're managing, I always describe it as juggling a lot of balls. Like you have all the, so you're trying to mm -hmm. get, do the front end of it, right? Be the host, the brand influencer, test out the products. And then you're on the back end being like, you're not paying my bills, like the contract yep. negotiation. It's a lot of things in the air. So th that was going to be my next question. It asked if you had a team and who you're working with and how you decided who to bring on to kind of let you do what you're good at and alleviate some of the headaches of business ownership. Yeah. So it was very daunting for me to bring someone on because, you know, bringing someone on not only meant that I was giving part of like my creation, my baby to another person and another team and larger company, but that I was also giving them, um, part of my paycheck. So I had to really like them in order to m move forward with this because this was at a time when I still wasn't getting paid um, anywhere close to what I'm being paid now to have a stable business. But I decided after speaking to so many other entrepreneurs that I was not going to grow my business. It was going to just continue to plateau if I didn't bring on other people to help. So I took that into consideration and I met with so many different agencies and so many different agents. And it just came down to the one I'm currently signed with. We just hit it off right away. She understood me. She understood my complaints about the business and where, she also understood my goals and where I wanted to take the business. She didn't sugarcoat anything. She didn't promise me anything. She just said that she really believed in me. She's a longtime follower. She felt that she could really help me attain the goals easily and within mm -hmm. a two-year mark. So that was very exciting for me. And we signed a one-year contract as a trial and we've been together for four years. So it was definitely the best thing that I ever did for my company. And, you know, for me as a person, just to alleviate a lot of the stress and um, time that I was putting on reading contracts and having a second opinion and people look over them, making up my own prices for what I thought that brand sponsorships would be when I had no idea because no one in the space is really comfortable talking about it. I think it's one of the only industries that you don't know what certain influencers are paid for different projects. Whereas in every other job industry, you know what a starting analyst is going to be paid at a certain company. You know what a senior one is going to be paid. You know what a lawyer, like you just know, you know what a resident dermatologist is paid. You know everything because they've been around for so long and it shouldn't be a secret. And it's the same thing in the influencer agency. I don't think that it should be a secret. I think it should be talked about a lot more. I think people would have a lot less confusion. I always wish there was a book like Influencing for Dummies that I could like hand to my parents and my grandparents for whenever they don't understand something I'm doing. I just find that there's not enough information about it out there. And it's an industry that's been around now for over 15 years. So I find it so shocking. 
I, I agree with you. I think that like speaker fees, hosting fees, partnerships and stuff, it's like there's no barometer of what do you mm -hmm. charge with this experience level. It seems very subjective and very secretive, right? So like nobody mm -hmm. says, I'd reach out to some personal finance influencer. And I'm like, well, what do you get paid for this? And they gave yep. me like the biggest range. Like I might as well not even... <laughs> I the know. range is this wide like I don't have any I mean I could have guessed that was that wide but I wanted like a definitive like this is probably where you should be and I asked a bunch of people and everyone came back with totally different numbers and I was like totally shocked so I was like well how do you figure this out and then the the per, you know the contra firm whoever you're negotiating with is like well what do you charge like well what, what are you paying and they're like well what do you charge it's just like this crazy game that, that no was the knows. game I used to play. So anytime I would say a number and they would say yes right away, I was like, okay, I charge way too, too little. <laughs> then I would say a much bigger number, like doubled what I originally said. And it was like, oh, no, 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 we don't have the budget for that. So I'm like, what am I supposed to be asking for? So hiring a team, obviously, that works with multiple influencers and digital um personas and personalities across the entire bandwagon of um from chefs to fitness influencers to there's so many beauty influencers fashion influencers that I think they can really gauge like what's the middle ground where can we start with different brands and they also because they work with so many brands know from the brand side what the brands have allocated towards the budget for influencers so it's much easier to you know communicate and negotiate um, yeah, because you, you have more data points and you have some, and I, th I do think it makes it easier when someone else is negotiating on your behalf. Oh, definitely. I am not involved at all in any type of negotiation anymore. I am so out of the loop. So I can also play, like we can play good cop, bad cop. So mm -hmm. say it's a friend of mine or someone I worked with in the past is now working for a certain brand and asked to work with me and you know, it's years later. So of course my rates have gone up. I have had friends in the industry say to me like, oh, we wanted to work with you on this, but I didn't know you were charging X amount. And I'm like, oh, I have, I, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, that, that's my agent. I have no idea what she even says to people. And I really do know everything because she tells me everything and I'm always involved, but I can play the good cop. Yeah, and it feels better, I feel like, to be arm's length with, the, with those exactly. sort of things. You don't feel like guilted into something. Exactly. And there were so many times and still to this day, there's so many times where I have friends reach out and family members reach out and say, oh, I'm just starting this business. Like, can you post about it or can you share this? And I can't. I'm like, guys, I really can't. Like, I, I can't just go around my agent and say, oh, sorry, I went rogue and posted for a friend because they asked me to. Like, that wouldn't work anymore. I, I would get in trouble. I would be dropped from my agency probably. Yeah, so it's it's good because then it helps protect you and help, helps you grow your business and it eliminates that headache, which sounds like a very stressful part of owning the business. Mm -hmm. So then where do you see yourself? What are your goals for the Honestly Kate in the next five years, 10 years? I would absolutely love for Honestly Kate to be, you know, more of a website that stands alone that has other writers come on mm -hmm. and speak about their experiences with different products and style different fashion items. Of course, I'm just one person. So I, as I get older and move on to different parts of my life, I don't want to miss out on other parts of different women's lives in the fashion and beauty space. So I would love to have someone from a college experience talk about what's trending and what they're loving right now. Then I would love someone in their 20s to talk about it. Then I would love someone older than me to talk about their experience and what we have to look forward to and different style trends and how they change as you get older. I would just love to have other people come on and explain their experiences because currently it's just from my voice. But 
I think that my audience knows my voice at this point and knows what I the advice I'm going to give. And I think that it would be so helpful to have other voices on the platform. So that's definitely a goal of mine within the next five years to expand the platform so that it's all about authenticity because that's what my brand is rooted in, but from other ages and other people's experiences. So that's definitely the goal with Honestly Kate. Of course, I would love to also, you know, continue to do collaborations with different brands. I'm not at the point in my career because I am really pivoting into more hosting opportunities where I would want to have necessarily my own clothing or beauty brand, but I would love to continue to partner with different clothing brands and beauty brands to come up with capsule collaborations. So there, the brand is taking care of the production and the manufacturing, but I am fully, you know, designing because that is what I love to do. And so I would hope that that would still continue. And then for me personally, then I can step more into more hosting opportunities and not feel like I'm being pulled in so many directions. Yeah, because that is the other struggle, right? When you're building your own business is you get pulled in all these different directions and it's hard. You don't want to say no to things, but you also want to make sure you're spending the time on the aspect of the business that you like. Exactly. And for hosting for me has been such a great meld of my love for fashion and design with my love for theater and acting because it's more authentic. It's more real. Of course, the difference is I'm playing myself. I'm not playing a character anymore. And that's definitely really hard for me because I'm so used to at least I grew up always acting where you had a script handed to you that you memorized. There was nothing that you could say on your own that people would blame you or make fun of you for saying because you were playing the character's part. And that's been very difficult for me, especially because I love live TV and I do a lot of, and currently I'm streaming for Amazon live and it's fully live. Nothing's edited. Nothing's taken out. You are responsible not only for what you say as a person, but now you're responsible for what you say live as you're, promoting a brand. So that has been crazy for me because when I first started, I remember I I thought to myself, oh my God, I really hope I don't say anything wrong. I'm promoting Amazon. Like Amazon is a big company. If I say something wrong, they're going down. Like that is a lot of pressure. I don't have a script. I don't have anything to follow. And I think just finding the confidence in that and that, you know, the reason it's live is because people do love the authenticity of it and like the realness and can relate to it more. And it's not cut and edited to sound like I speak perfectly or so eloquently or always say the right thing. And I think that's actually what audiences relate to more. Yeah, but that is intimidating. I could definitely see that being, being intimidating. Well, those sound like great goals. I figured it was good to talk about goals since we're new year. Definitely. I love goal setting. I feel like people always say like you shouldn't set goals for the new year. And I, and I understand setting on like not setting unrealistic goals for yourself, but I think setting really positive goals that you can try to manifest for yourself and just continue to light a fire under your ass to work harder are great things to have in your life. And I try to set goals for myself every month. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big goal setter because it definitely helps with your finances too. So Kate, what do you have? We always like to ask our experts, especially our business owners and entrepreneurs, if they have any favorite books that they have read, that they like, that they feel have helped them. Oh, I have two that I'm thinking off the top of my head. The first is Atomic Habits. That book is very helpful just for, again, goal setting, keeping things organized. I am so disorganized. I get an idea. I get very, I guess it's because I'm very much a creative. So I get an idea in my head and then I want to write it down and dive right into that. And then I forget everything else that I had planned for the rest of the day. So this is like a book on how to keep up with your habits and how to make things that weren't necessarily habits in your life, 
uh, ongoing habit. How many times can you say habit? So that's one. And I love the book, Who Stole My Cheese. I just think it's a great book for everyone to read in life. And another book that I actually found, I feel like this might, this is actually going to come as a surprise. But when I graduated from college, I read Katherine Schwarzenegger's book called I Just Graduated, Now What? And someone who's actually going, you know, either doesn't know what they want to do with their career or doesn't know what their strong suits are and, or someone who likes a lot of different professions should definitely read this because it's all about dipping your toes in different areas of the workforce and figuring out exactly what you want to do. And also knowing that you don't have to know right away. Those are great recommendations. I really like the one that if you just graduated, because I feel like that can be so daunting, especially if you're graduating in this day and age in the COVID world, like so daunting. My little sister is graduating this year and it's wild because we had completely different, obviously college experiences because half of her college experience was during the pandemic. So she was number one, not in school. Then once she got to school, they had to, they couldn't go to class. They couldn't go to socials. They couldn't go to formal events. They couldn't really do anything that's college related. She couldn't study abroad. And then on top of that, they didn't really have real internships because they weren't having internships in person. So besides companies letting go of so much, so many of their employees over the pandemic, they were definitely not taking on interns. So that was so hard. So she didn't really get to have her two most critical intern years, you know, sophomore and junior year leading into senior year. So I felt that whole, I feel, I feel for the whole college generation that went through the pandemic during this time, because I cannot even imagine not being able to have the internships I had and how they helped me with my business and where I'm at today. And I just feel for them because I'm seeing it firsthand with my sister and it's, it's wild. She doesn't know I hope she's not embarrassed by this, but she doesn't even know what she wants to do because she didn't really have experience to try different things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I think this is a great recommendation for anyone who's just graduated college or graduating college, because Mm -hmm. I think especially now with with COVID, it makes it so much more difficult to to figure out your next steps. Definitely. But Kate, thank you. This was really, really eye-opening. I appreciate you being so authentic and open about the financial part of it. For all of our listeners, where is their best place to find you and follow you? So the best place to follow me is on my Instagram, which is at honestly Kate. And I have a website, which is currently in the mix of being redone. It's at I am honestly Kate.com. You can also find me streaming live on Amazon live on their creator page. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was It's so helpful for me to just talk about finances because it's something that I'm still insecure about talking about. So it's very helpful to hear your insight into it as well. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I feel like finances need to be talked about more in the open. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. So for all of our lovely listeners, you can find our most up-to-date information on Instagram. And if you like or even love the podcast, please rate and review us and please share our podcast and you can check us out online at our website at www.futurerichpodcast.com.